Welcome. You're listening to Latin Waves with your hosts, Sylvia and Stuart Richardson. Latin Waves is more than just hot rhythms. This is a show about community, about creating a culture that is inclusive and based on fairness. Because everyone deserves dignity, respect, and has something to contribute. A new world is possible, and it all starts with us. I'm delighted this evening to be joined by Dr. Maria Victor Paez. She's a sociologist, and we are delighted to have her on our program. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Sylvia, for inviting me on your program. Now, for many people, Venezuela is a country in crisis. What people have uh, perhaps forgotten or don't even know is that Venezuela has also been a country that has inspired many countries, and particularly under the leadership of his former president, Hugo Chavez, Venezuela became a landmark on the map. Can you talk a little bit about the legacy that was left by President Hugo Chavez, being that today is his anniversary of the, his death? Venezuela was a country uh, that was uh, really a colony, a colony of the United States. It, its job was to produce petroleum and nothing more, and of course to sell all this petroleum to the United States. The, the big U.S. companies that were producing oil in Venezuela paid a, a, a real minimum of, of taxes to the country. Uh, under contracts that were signed, you know, 60 years before, they paid 1%, 1% uh, of their profit to uh, uh, the, the country. Now, contrast this with the very same companies that were working in Canada, and in Canada, they paid the, the government of Canada 12%. So you can imagine that 1% was absolutely nothing. Now, what happened to all this money? This, this money was um, basically thrown away. Uh, the, the elites that governed the country for 40 years in this uh, tandem, two, two parties that took, took turns governing, um, left a country that was almost 80% of its people were poor because the money was never used for the welfare of the people, just nominally. Most of it went th through to the, this elite. Um, it's estimated that it was uh, an amount equivalent to 15 Marshall Plans that disappeared. The Marshall Plan was the plan that redid Europe after the Second World War. So this was an enormous... So along came uh, President Chavez. He, he won these elections... Um, because nobody in Venezuela believed in democracy anymore. Uh, the the governments had such uh, a corruption that along came President Chavez, uh, Hugo Chavez, in a, on a shoestring campaign, and he promised to rid the country of this, this terrible um, uh, corruption, and he won. And the and as he promised, the first thing that happened was that he wanted uh, a new constitution. So it wasn't that he wanted, but I mean, he, he didn't write it. There was elections for the, for the uh, representatives. People voted. They voted in these people to take part in uh, redoing the, the constitution. 
and for, for, for the first time, there were it was under the lead writing it. There were groups uh, representing women, representing indigenous people, representing youth, and so they wrote this constitution, which totally changed the uh, the, the country and, and got rid of all the loopholes that the elite had. And the most important thing was that it declared the petroleum and all the riches of the country belonged to the people, not to an elite. So the government since then, with the Bolivarian uh, government of Chavez and now Maduro, the um, monies that come from selling the petroleum went into public schools, public hospitals, public housing, uh, infrastructure, uh, pensions. In Venezuela, there were no pensions for for, for, I mean, not no pensions, but it, it was something like less than a hundred thousand people had 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 pensions. And today, everybody over the age of uh, I don't know, I think it's sixty-five or seventy ha- has a pension. Um, even during these terrible times, uh, they have been building about eight eight, eight million uh, housing, public housing. Uh, with the help of Cuba, um, there is a barrio dentro, a small clinic in almost every uh, neighborhood and village of the city. Um, so all of these things um, is how the governments of Chavez and then Maduro have plowed back into uh, the country to satisfy the needs of the people. Now, all of this brought about the, the intense uh, uh, animosity and I would say an amnesty of the United States. Uh, the companies uh, were told, yes, you can, you can um, you know, try to get petroleum in Venezuela to produce it, but it has to be 40-60. That means 60% of the profits are for the country and 40% for you. Some companies accepted this, but, uh, for example, ExxonMobil um, refused this and left the country, and many of the American companies did that. They didn't want that. They thought, they thought this was highway robbery, even though this is how it was when they worked with other countries. When Chavez died, they thought, well, thought the United States, this is the chance. Uh, Maduro will be uh, a weak person. He 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 won't be able to uh, carry on uh, like Chavez did, and and so they intensified the terrible things they've been doing to try to overthrow the government. So there was since Maduro became president, they have we've had invasions, paramilitary from uh, Colombia. We've had assassinations and attempted assassinations. We've had a terrible cyber attack that left the country five days without electricity. Just think of it. You know, sometimes we have a a, a, a blackout, you know, that lasts a couple of, uh, of hours here because it's raining or something. Well, imagine five days of that. All of this is a hybrid war that the United States has unleashed against Venezuela. And part of it was the most important part, or the most lethal part of it, has been these illegal, coercive measures, which are called sanctions. Uh, they really aren't sanctions because they're illegal. 
the, the only sanctions that are legal are those that are carried out by the uh, UN. Uh, these are unilateral illegal sanctions of the United States that go against international law. I, I just wanted to point out that if Hugo Chavez's legacy was to raise the country, you know, on the map as a country that erased their, you know, uh, foreign debt, a country that nationalized industry and raised the profile of workers as the essential part of their economy, yes. and also raise not only the the living standard of, of people in you know in in his country and it became a, a model for Latin America I would also say that tied to his legacy has been the legacy of Nicolas Maduro who has withstand um, attacks you know in, in many in multiple forms of invasions so can we talk a little bit about um, the significance of this, because most people think, well, you know, it's sanctions. It's better than bombing. But is it? Oh, no. This is what people who, who think they're being very progressive. Well, it's it's better than invasion. It has killed. Uh, 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 the, the latest count is about 100,000 people in just one year uh, from 17 to 18 to 2018 it killed 40,000 people now up to now it's been 100,000 why because the sanctions forbid venezuela from selling its own oil uh, venezuela got about uh, 90% of its uh, of its government revenue from uh, from oil so venezuela has been unable to sell oil uh, and it's unable to buy in the international market. Now, this is really important because it meant that we cannot buy the, the food that we need. It cannot buy especially the medicine that we need, especially now, imagine in a pandemic. You can't just invent insulin or you can't invent the cancer uh, um, uh, medicines. I mean, these are all patented by big pharma. Well, Venezuela has been unable to buy, to buy these people who needed dialysis, people who had AIDS, people who had, you know, who needed insulin. All of these things that the government couldn't buy in the international market. Well, people died. There were these children who had been sent to uh, to Italy because they were going to have uh, bone marrow transfer. Well, the the country can't just whip out of the air the, the wherewithal to do. A uh, bone marrow transfer. They had to send it to uh, another country. Well, some of these children actually died because Venezuela is was not allowed to use the international banks. There has been, a, a, I would call it a piñata, because these international banks where Venezuela had its monies have stolen $6 billion worth of Venezuelan assets. And these are countries in Europe, 17 countries, actually. In, uh, 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 Portugal, the, well, England. England has uh, $2 billion worth of Venezuela's gold. And these countries have just simply been pirates. They took over. They have taken over. They have stolen these, um, this money. Now, there has been th three. Now, it's, this is the third UN you uh, human rapporteur who has gone to Venezuela and has denounced this and said Venezuela is in crisis, but it's because the United States, Canada, and Europe have imposed these dreadful 
uh, conditions, these sanctions, these illegal sanctions going against, um, I don't know how many of the uh, international uh, laws uh, that have impoverished the country. They did a war against the currency. The Venezuelan currency collapsed. So Venezuela is using crypto crypto uh, currency in order to survive. Um, and uh, this is a crime against humanity, what they've done to Venezuela. The only other country who has suffered similar fate, uh, apart from, you know, a, a military war, is Cuba. So th- th- only with Venezuela, it's sort of larger than what happened with Cuba because Venezuela is a larger country, so more people have been affected. So the United States and Canada and Europe are going against the Charter of the UN, against the Charter of the OES, against the Geneva Convention, against the International Criminal Court, and they don't care, you know. They don't care um, no matter how many times the UN has... uh, has said this is illegal, this shouldn't be. They continued, and Biden continues. Um, Obama started it with, an, with a decree declaring that Venezuela was an unusual threat to the um, security of the United States. This, this was hilarious. Everyone's thinking, what are they, crazy? Venezuela, tiny Venezuela compared to the United States, is a threat to their security. But it wasn't funny. It was done so that he could uh, throw everything he could to the United States without going through the Congress. And Biden has done the same thing just a couple, uh, just a week or so ago. Biden did again a decree. And the United Nations has denounced the United States because this is their, um, how can I say, their, their Machiavellian piece. They say, this country is a threat to our security, so therefore we don't have to follow you know, the rules, we don't have to go and ask Congress any, uh, you know, any oversight. We we don't have to go follow the international law because we are defending ourselves. Well, of course, the thought of the United States defending itself against Venezuela is ridiculous. There it is, a nuclear power (laughs) with with the largest military budget uh, in the world uh, saying that Venezuela threatens them. Now, most uh, Latin Americans understand that this is invasion. We understand imperialism has many faces, and we've seen it activated in Argentina when they collapsed their complete economy. We've seen it activated in Chile with Pinochet. We've seen it activated throughout Latin America, Central America with the dirty wars and the death squads. We've seen it activated in the coup in Honduras. So we we see the face of imperialism has many faces. I, I I like to talk a little bit about the significance, though, that Venezuela has for the world, because wherever you go in the world, I was in South Africa and people were like so inspired by Venezuela. You know, there were people talking about Venezuela being like this, you know, guiding light, you know, out of poverty and and they were really excited if you go to uh, Europe there is people they're organizing and thinking about creating an economy for the people by the people and there's economists in the US like Dr. Robin Hanel who wrote a book inspired by the Venezuelan revolution this beautiful revolution so um clearly 
the threat is not Venezuela is a threat to the states, but Venezuela is a threat to the idea that capitalism is the only way to create an economy. So can we talk a little bit about the charges of populism that tend to not only diminish uh, the fervor with which the Venezuelan people have defended their right to be autonomous, to declare who their president is, and how this is being undermined uh, by you know the media and by the juridical systems that keep you know looking the other way when they see v- literally violations against human rights committed against the Venezuelan people. Look, Venezuela is a threat to capitalism. That is for sure. There are two things that are re- the reasons why they go after Venezuela. First of all, because it is immensely rich. It has an enormous uh, reserve of oil. Uh, I don't think it's even second to Saudi Arabia. It has uh, one of the largest d- deposits of gold in the world. So we're very rich. It, it isn't, you know, like uh, like Cuba, poor Cuba, who only had, uh, you know, sugar when Fidel uh, took over. This is uh, a country with an enormous amount of riches. But it's more than that. It's exactly what you say. It's the example of a country who will say, we don't care what you in, in Washington or in Ottawa or in Brussels say. We are a sovereign nation. We liberated ourselves from the Spanish Empire, and we are not going to be a colony anymore. We reject colonialism, and we reject imperialism. And there is an elite that has governed the country for 40 years uh, that is a a, a white elite uh, that was sort of um, beholden to the imperial powers. And they have gone against the Bolivarian government, allying themselves to the enemies of of the country. They they, they don't care. They only care about their own interests. And you know what? With all this, this, this war against Venezuela, Venezuela uh, Cuba and Venezuela are the two countries who are ahead of every other country in the hemisphere, okay, uh, in the number of cases and the number of deaths. In Venezuela, there are 47 deaths per million uh, inhabitants. This is, this is amazing. The cases are about 140,000. Uh, in a population of 28 million, just like Canada. It's a population that's similar to Canada. And there are only 140,000 cases. How has this happened? Because of the discipline, because of the organization, of the popular grassroots that are helping the government keep people healthy. And the other thing that keeps people healthy is, in um, uh, people who study health know that you aren't healthy just because there's a doctor. It isn't just the medical services, which are, of course, very important, but this thing called the social determinants of health. That means you are healthy because you've got food, because you've got a roof over your head, because you've got education and know how to read and know how to carry out you know, instructions and whatnot, because you have a job. So these are the social determinants of health, and that's what the Bolivarian Revolution has been about since, uh, you know, 22 years ago. So contrast this with Colombia, with Peru, with uh, uh, Bolivia, with 
Brazil, in Venezuela, you don't pay for the for for, for the uh, medical uh, services. Um, education is completely free, all the way up to university. There have been three million housing built in the last three four years, even during this uh, uh, this war. The situation of Venezuelans is is privileged. Now, how can I give you an example why? Do you remember when the, the newspapers, you couldn't open a newspaper without people saying, people are leaving Venezuela, they'd left by throves, and they would invent that millions and millions left and all of this kind of stuff. Well, many did, it is true, not as many as they thought. Well, all those people who were lured by the group of Lima countries, that is the right-wing governments in Venezuela, telling people, yes, leave Venezuela, leave Venezuela, come over here. Well, they arrived to the, all of these other countries, and of course they found no jobs, and they found tremendous um, um, bias against them. And when the pandemic came, uh, these countries didn't want these Venezuelans there. So many Venezuelans suffered tremendously through xenophobia. And so you know what the government of President Maduro did? He said he sent planes. He sent planes to Ecuador, planes to Bolivia, planes to Brazil planes to uh, Chile so to bring these people back. And so there have been, well, I think it's over a million now who have come back from Venezuela and they realized, no, here we have medical care, here we have food, here we have people who will watch over us. And, um, and it has been amazing. It was called uh, the Mission Vuelta a la Patria, means returning to the country. Now, you don't hear this in the newspapers. They don't tell you about the millions of people, who, well, thousands of people who are returning to Venezuela. They return because there is a government there whose whatever meager money it has, it, it, it just uses it for the needs of the people. Of course, Venezuela is a... Uh, a beacon for those who want to change uh, the structure of these countries that supposedly are, are democracies and in fact are run by elites. Maybe speak to the workers in North America, the workers around the U.S., the workers around the world, who perhaps are waking up to this story, who may have missed the story, and yet, you know, what what is you know a call to perhaps solidarity, but a call to really recognize our own power, you know? And um, I wonder if you could just maybe send some inspiring words because it's really easy to get defeated, to feel flattened, you know, we're in the midst of pandemic, we're in the midst of yet another government in the U.S. that looks a lot like the old one, you know, we invited the Democrats, but they're acting exactly the way uh, the yep. Trump administration was behaving, and worse, yep. they're bombing people now. Yes. Well, I think in Canada there is some a very big, big message here. Canada has to stop being a colony. I, I was embarrassed for Canada, embarrassed for Canada, the country where I live, the country of my children and grandchildren. When I heard Trudeau say to Biden, we have missed American leadership. You know, this is ridiculous. Canada has to stop being a colony, has to start thinking of itself as a sovereign nation, not as a slavish uh, 
country that falls at the feet, even at, uh, in the feet of a gangster like, like Trump, it fell at its feet. And now it, 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 the feet of this, of this man, uh, Biden, who, whose hypocrisy is, is, is sometimes even worse because he says, I'm a good fellow, and yet look at the things that he does. But the workers in Canada have to have consciousness of the fact that they are the, the victims of this mentality, this this colonial mentality that Canada has. And it's even more pathetic because at the same time that it falls at the feet of the United States, Canada itself acts like a colonial power when it comes to the indigenous peoples. So it is a very weird situation here. This, the, the unions in Canada, fortunately, have a toehold uh, better than the, their counterparts in the United States. In the United States, they've, they've destroyed the unions left, right, and center. It's ridiculous. This pandemic has exposed the clay feet of, of so many of our leaders and so many of the systems in which we live. And should, things shouldn't go back the way they were. We should examine and say, this has to change because I can assure those who are listening to me, there will be another pandemic. We are destroying nature such a way that uh, these viruses are are coming to us because we are destroying the ecosystem where animals live. Uh, we have destroyed the uh, the places where animals are, and we are destroying the way we are bringing animals up, um, you know, in farms um, and in conditions that create viruses. So the, it, the next one will come. What will we have learned? What will we have learned from this terrible pandemic? And if the working class doesn't realize that they are at the front, that they have been very much affected, much more than people in nice neighborhoods with white-collar workers, uh, work. No, no. It is the working class that of Canada that has suffered the greatest during this pandemic. And unless they take conscience of this, and take the reins of their own destiny in their hands and demand, demand that they will no longer uh, be treated this way, then we will have not have learned anything from this pandemic. And I hope that we have. Since the death of President Hugo Chavez on March 5, 2013, you know, Venezuela has been under attack. And I yeah. have to say that although we celebrate Hugo Chavez for his leadership and for becoming a hero for many across the world, it truly is Maduro who will go into the books of history, having withstand so many uh, wars, you know, in multiple fronts as he defends yeah. his country. So, And he has been so wise. He has been so wise. He has really steered the country through the worst war since the War of Independence. This, this is uh, Nicolás Maduro. And if Chávez were alive right now, he would congratulate himself because he is the one who asked the people to vote for Nicolás Maduro. He, he, he chose Maduro as his, as his successor. Uh, and and he was right, you know. Maduro was a a bus driver and a union leader, and look what the bus driver has done. He has saved his nation. Uh, it is a remarkable, as you say, it will be Maduro in the, in the history books too.
Thank you again for being with us and thank you for giving us a sober reminding of our own power as workers, of the ability to stand up when it matters, to speak up when it matters. And um, so I want to leave the last words to you and thank you again for all that you do. Thank you, Sylvia. And let us hope that we all learn something very important from Venezuela and take the opportunity of this pandemic to change things here in Canada because things don't have to be the way they are here. Venezuela has proved that. Thank you very much, Sylvia, for having me and for your tremendous and marvelous solidarity. Thank Bye-bye. you. Thank you again. Bye-bye. We've come to the end of our show, Latin Waves. Latin Waves is an internationally syndicated weekly program made available through campus and community stations and available out to the world at www.latinwavesmedia.com. Visit Latin Waves Media to hear previous shows to access resources or support our efforts towards social change via community project engagement.